Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Erin Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast, my podcast about immigrants and immigration and everything in between. Thank you for listening and downloading the show, and thank you for supporting my dad. Last week of February, and I want to finish strong to close out Black History Month, so I invited an amazing digital artist that embodies black excellence. But let's talk about that later. First, I want to check on you. How is your February going? I hope it was a good month for you. I hope you spoiled your partner and made them feel loved during Valentine's Day. And if you're single, I hope you enjoyed your freedom and practiced self-love, whatever that means to you. For me, February was good, but the good thing about it is it's also finishing. And I'm glad about that because it means I could go ride my bicycle again, go hiking again, two of the things that are my favorite things to do. How about you? What are you looking forward this spring? Let me know. Send me a message on all my social media at an immigrant's life, or you could send me an email at an immigrant's life at yahoo.com. While I'm waiting for your messages, let's talk about this week's episode. I enjoyed recording this episode with a great artist. It was raw, honest, and filled with laughter. Also, this episode is lovingly dedicated to the memory of Mr. Ashimiyu Sanusi, a great man and a great father to our guest. And having said that, without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa, dalawa, tatlo. Today's guest is a digital and print artist that draws like Alex Ross, Illustrates like Alphonse Mucha and as cool as Jean-Michel Basquiat. Everyone, please welcome Laji Sanusi. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for such a wonderful introduction. Hey, you deserve it, my man. Thank you. First of all, thank you for coming on, Laji. I really do appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it more. Mm. Uh, also, if you have something to promote, please go ahead, my man. Yeah, my website is being relaunched. We're working quite hard in it. Hopefully it should be out within the next few weeks. And yeah, that'd be great if you guys could check it out as soon as it's launched. Mm. I'm going to have some merchandise on there, art prints, canvases. So it should be really cool when it's finished. So look out for that. Oh, it is cool for sure. Thank you. Would you like to say the website and your Instagram handle? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. My website is www.lajisanusiart.com. So that's my name and art. And my Instagram handle is the same, Art. Those are what I use predominantly. I'll have a TikTok very, very soon, which will have the same handle. So that should be good. What's your plan to post on TikTok this I mean, obviously, TikTok is more video. Yeah, it's more video, and it's not as professional looking as maybe Instagram is. It's a lot more fun, Mm. a lot of more fun videos. So I'll try to use the platform as, like, I guess it's intended to be used because it's for a younger crowd, isn't it? So yeah, it is. No, you you don't think so. No, I mean, hey, they didn't say, hey, by the way, if you're older than 30, you cannot use this. You yeah. Can still use it, yeah. Right? But I see what I see your point. But I think it's just more on perspective 
because Instagram has been there for a while. And, you know, TikTok came out and there's this young kids dancing in front of their camera, right? So I think yeah. because of that, it made them famous. But because of that, I think it gave that perspective like, oh, it's only for young crowd. Yeah, and I think also because it's more video based, it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to post on Instagram than TikTok. With TikTok, because it's video, and you want to make it interesting, you might need to put a bit more thought. Whereas with Instagram, I could just post my art image of my art, and then that's it. So, yeah, I'm just figuring it out. Yeah, I I still haven't crossed that gap, that TikTok gap, because. I'm not good looking as you, so I won't post videos. <laughs> I don't, you know, I do post like snippets of the, the podcast and the picture of the guest. But other than that, I don't really do anything. It's, I don't know. It's not my thing yet. But for you, for sure with you, it's going to work, especially like time lapse. Yeah, time lapses would be good on there. Time lapses and a lot of behind the scenes footage, power work, maybe. Yeah, exactly. So let's get to know you, Laji, the person. Based on my reliable method of five-minute Google research, your family name means the one that comes from Senus, which is a region in Libya, but you told me your parents didn't come from Libya, but where were they originally from? So both of my parents are originally from Nigeria. My dad more from the city side, and my mom from more the countryside. And they moved to the UK, England, to be exact, in the 60s. Oh, wow. 60s. That's like... Yeah, long time ago. I was oh. actually speaking to my mom about it this morning. Like, the 60s must have been so different now, like, then compared to now, you know. So it's just, I can't even imagine it. Did you tell you any experiences? Like, how were they received? How was, like, the relationship between races? Yeah, well, the first thing she said was, like, things were a lot cheaper. Bread was, like, 10 <laughs> pence. And, um, yeah, definitely, like, racism was, of course, much more prominent back then. Mm. Yeah. You know, it still exists to this day, of course. But back in the 60s, you can only imagine what it was like and especially not knowing the language as well i you're bound to feel even more like an outsider you know so mm -hmm. i can only imagine yeah were they married before they moved well they had separate partners oh, okay. at the time of moving to this country and they met here they mm. met at work in i think it was a, it's I don't know. I think it still exists. It's called Wolves Ice Cream. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No. They met. They met at a factory. Mm. <laughs> they met a factory there where my dad was the the trade union representative, and yeah, yeah, they they met there in mm. England, London, England. Okay, so they moved with part with their own partners, and then they met. Separate. Yeah, okay. yeah. They separated. They had. A couple of children with their previous partners hmm. separated and met at the factory in London. How many siblings do you have, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, uh, now because a, a, a few of them have sadly passed. Oh, sorry to hear that. 
Me, thank you. Me, my younger brother, my older sister, and I've got three other older brothers. Mom and dad got busy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You guys are Nigerians. You guys are like the superhumans anyway. Yeah, that's that's nothing. You know, you already know. That's nothing <laughs> compared to some of my uncles and back home. <laughs> you guys are the most dangerous people because you guys are smart. You guys are beautiful. You guys are talented. Like, yo, enough. It's our turn, okay? Because you guys are killing it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know? So are you close to the Nigerian culture? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I am. But funnily enough, I don't actually speak the language. Well, not well. I can understand it a bit. But when I was born, my dad told my mom that she wanted me to have like he wanted me to have a full like English upbringing and clear accent and so they never actually taught me but through them talking to each other in the language which is Yoruba mm -hmm. I picked it up over time anyway but I can't speak if that mm -hmm. makes sense yeah that is a normal like second generation in, in, uh, immigrant children's thing like yeah they will un completely understand the language, their parents' language, but they cannot speak it. Now, my question is, is it based on your confidence of speaking? No, it's my lack, my lack of it, you know, lack, of, lack of speaking it. And I can only understand everyday kind of terms as well. Mm. So if they were to say, you know, can you go grab me? I don't know, a knife from the kitchen. I could understand that. But if they were to say something that they don't use every day, mm -hmm. like, like um, I don't know, Neil Armstrong is flying to the moon, I wouldn't know because they don't say it. It's only the common words. So maybe the common stuff I could pick up on and I could pronounce it. But yeah, I, I, I'd just stick to my, <laughs> my language. So good. Yeah. Do you feel regret for not learning it? Yeah. Yes, yes, I do. And it's funny you say that as well, because I was thinking to to teach myself, you know, or learn from her, my mom. And yeah, I would like to learn more and speak more, you know. Yeah, because I've spoken to a lot of kids that are, second generation immigrants and they will always say that they always say oh i wish i learned the language yeah i i understand like what my dad had intended for me and my little brother because it was the same for him also i understand why he did it but i would prefer to to speak it also and understand it fully yeah i mean same here too with my kids well my wife is canadian so we can't really i can't really speak to her and i tried to speak to them to my kids, my Filipino language, or Tagalog, as they say, it's not sticking. My, my youngest, yeah, he kind of pick it up a little bit, but not really. And then my plan was to send them and be close to my parents, so the, the grandma and grandpa, right? And then they start speaking English to them. <laughs> I'm like, no, you need to speak to them in Tagalog so they'll know. And then sometimes yeah. they'll speak to them to Tagalog, in Tagalog, and then they'll say, how come you don't understand Tagalog? Because like, you'd never teach them. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. And it's like you don't want your 
you don't want the some of the culture to be lost upon your children as well. So you would like them to retain the language. So I, I definitely get it. Yeah, I mean, I decorate my house with Filipino art and everything else, but yeah. To be honest, I feel like they do. They're proud to be Filipinos because when they play video games or whatever, if there's like a Filipino flag, they always get it. They always get it. Yeah, definitely important. Yeah, like like if they're doing art at at school, they'll do, they'll draw the flag or something else like that. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing. I think um, them being in a different country but still retaining the culture. You know, they have to know where they come from. Mm-hmm. Have you been to Nigeria? Yeah, I've even been by myself. Mm. I stayed with my auntie once. She doesn't speak a word of English. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was interesting. Wait, Nigerians are very educated. Yeah, yes, yes, they are. But this one auntie, um, God bless her soul, because she's not here anymore. Oh, um, cool. She does. She never learned English. So she would only speak in Yoruba. And I can only speak in English, so we had to figure it out. But yeah, I've been I've been a few times. It's been some years now mm-hmm. since I've been back home. And with all what's going on with COVID and restrictions and stuff and getting into the country, I'm not too sure when I'll go back, but I'm hoping it'll be sometime soon. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you went back by yourself? The last time I went, I was probably... Early twenties, I think. Okay, okay. Was that your decision or the parents or your parents' decision? What well, I haven't been back in so long. To, no, to vi- to vi- to visit by yourself. Because sometimes, you know, African parents and Filipino parents, they will send their kids back home to be like, yeah, oh, yeah, be no, Nigerian was, again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know what you mean that wasn't the case um, for me. In fact, it was the opposite. My mom didn't want me to go by myself. Because of like the language and stuff, she was a bit worried. But I was like, no, you know, I, I really want to go. Mm. And it was it was such a good time being there, you know. And I do miss my family. My my family back there, mm. as you probably would have guessed, is huge. <laughs> <laughs> is that whatever a family? Th- it's a goddamn clan. It's like a town. Yeah, what whatever you think by huge, double it. Yeah. It's exactly. like so massive. My my mum alone has she told me 30-something siblings. <laughs> siblings? <laughs> yeah, my probably God. close close to 40 siblings. So oh you can imagine. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's such a big family. That is insane. 40. Yeah. I mean, yeah. my mom has, I think, nine. I think the, she has nine. My dad, I think, the same number. That's a lot, too. That's a lot. But, dude, 40? 34, yeah, that's I know. insane. I know, I know. I think some people don't believe me. Even I don't can't <laughs> comprehend it. So when you went there, did you feel, quote-unquote, at home? Yes. Yes. Yes and no. Yes, I do. But no, only because they know, they can tell I'm not from there. So they treat me differently, you know? Yeah. They, they can, I don't know how, I don't know if it's because of how I'm dressed or how I look. Or, before I speak, I mean, they just, there's something about me they can tell. And then when I do speak, obviously, I'm not there. So I get treated a little bit differently. 
and they have an image of you know the UK being the streets being made with gold. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they yeah they do treat treat me differently there, mm. but it, it's home. Like yeah, it, it's definitely home. Your like your soul is like at peace. Yeah, yeah. yeah of course. I, grew, I talk about this on the podcast, but I love I love saying it anyway. I grew up in the Philippines. I moved here when I was twenty, right? Yeah. I'm close to forty now, so it's almost equal now living in the two separate countries. But when I went back home, every time I come home, my soul goes, "Your home, bud." Like yeah. you're at peace, you know. It'll never leave. And the funny thing is, before I went 2019, I believe I, we visited, I haven't been like in 15 years. And I thought I was good. Like, oh, I am quote unquote Canadian now. Like, yeah, this is the country that I grew up in. I have some family here. Cool. But really, I'm just coming to visit family, not the land. I don't care about the land, right? As yeah. soon as we landed on the tarmac, there was a voice in my head that says, you're home. Yeah. And I was like, Jesus Christ, I thought I, I'd escape. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never escape. No, no, no. It, you, you, you can't, you know, I was born here in London, England, but, you know, it's, it's deep rooted, you know, Africa and Nigeria, where I'm from, is it's deep rooted in me. That will always be. It's the motherland, and it's always going to be home for me. So I do know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So I guess you haven't brought your kids there? No, no, they're really young. Mm. So we, we haven't brought them there. But they're, well, the, the one that's older, Ishara, she's so excited to go. She can't wait to go. Her mom is from Jamaica also, and she'd love to go there. But for some reason, she speaks about Nigeria more. <laughs> which I'm not mad about. <laughs> of course, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they will love it. Because when I brought my kid, well, when I, my kid was growing up, I was like, you know, typical immigrant dad, like, I'll send you the Philippines yeah. if you don't act nice. Yeah, you know yeah. what? They eat, they eat things there. There's no food, whatever, you know? And I, when I, we went back home, these guys enjoyed more than I did. Yeah. Which I enjoyed more because I saw like I saw they went to the slums. They go in get lost in the slums and they'll be like Yeah. They'll be like, Dad is amazing here. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's funny you say that because when my parents used to take me and my brother to Nigeria when we were young, we kind of had like a maybe a similar experience to what you're talking about, which was my one of my grandmothers was quite well off on my dad's side in the city. So we would stay with her for half the time and mm -hmm. have fun there. But we actually used to have more fun on my mother's side, which it, she really didn't, my grandmother didn't have that much, you know, in mm -hmm. terms of money, but love and family, everything was over there. But it was the poor, poor side. But Hells yeah. That's where, yeah, that's where we had, we couldn't wait to go and stay and play over there, you know? <laughs> Same here. So, I mean, yeah. we weren't well off, but like my mom's house is well, you know, it it, it has more. It has, it, be, it looks better, everything, right? But they cannot wait to go to my grandma's house, which is like the slum yeah. area. Not that yeah, my place yeah, yeah. is better, but my, my grandma's area is like, you know, kind of in the 
lower of the totem pole, as they say, right? But yeah, they I get it. Cannot wait to go yeah. play in the slums. And my wife, like I said, she's Canadian, you know, and she's like, are they going to be okay? I said, trust me, if somebody looks funny in one of those kids, that guy's dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it completely. Yeah. So I've noticed that your parents seem to be very liberal people, but in the end, they're immigrants, right? Yeah. So how was it growing up with immigrant Nigerian parents? My mom, both of them worked really hard. And when I was born... My dad stopped working and my mom continued to work. My mom had always been, uh, she's like, so uh, what's the word? An empath, I think. Mm -hmm. she's, she's like the nicest lady. She cares about everyone. She's always been that way. Like when she was in Nigeria, when she came here, she's always been that way. Mm -hmm. But my dad was, you know, so strict like just the typical nigerian dad you know especially mm. in my earlier years just mm. so strict like like god forbid i get my maths wrong or any trouble at school so growing up with him <laughs> was the best was the best times but like it's just hard you know <laughs> So, yeah, it was, especially, yeah, my younger years, you know, you know, like Nigerian punishments. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever heard of hey, like raising us, hands. I'm, I have an idea, but tell us anyway. Yeah, he used to make us raise our hands. Like, you know, this, this day and age, you can't really get away with it. But <laughs> back then, <laughs> if we were naughty, we'd get beats first and then <laughs> we'd have to... <laughs> we'd have to raise our hands, which was even worse because you got your hands up in the air for goodness knows how long. And you'd have to wait till he goes to the toilet before like you could put your arms down and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was hard. It was hard like during my earlier years. And then as he became even more accustomed to life in this country, like years and years and years, he became more like, mellow and mm. you know more relaxed and stuff and stuff he cared about back then mm. he didn't really ca care about as we got older so yeah i think that happens to most of immigrants because they're still in this like survival mode in the few years because it i know for a fact for me it happens like i am my mind was still yes i was in canada but in my head it's like i still need to fight yeah, I need to survive. I need to show these people that I I am capable. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's it's the same thing. And I, to be honest, my dad is quite stubborn person. Anyway, but I feel like a lot of people, uh, maybe let me say, like a lot of Nigerian people that I know of, when they come here they feel like maybe they have to conform a little bit because it's so different from back home. Mm. Back home is more, people tend to be more um, challenging and if something happens, they've got to say it, you know. Whereas over here in London, people more keep to themselves, mm -hmm. you know, like... Passive-aggressive. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think it maybe it took him 
a little bit longer to adjust. Whereas my mum, she was already chilled anyway, so she just slipped right in. She has the know, superpowers. So. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's what it was. Mm, that's beautiful, man. Anyways, we're talking about your dad, and I think we spoke about this offline that he just recently passed. Yeah, my my dad, twenty early early twenty twenty, which I'm sure was a crazy year for so many people, not just my family, but he got sick, and out of nowhere, like he was, you know, able bodied, he was everything was fine, but he strangely got sick and. For the next maybe eight, eight or nine months or so, my brother, my mother, myself looked after him. Hmm. And, you know, just constantly going to the hospital, coming back, trying to take care of him. He lost the ability to walk. And, you know, sadly, he passed away at the end of the year. Hmm. And, you know, extremely difficult like even now to be honest with you this a process you know a healing process but i think uh, once i really realized that i wasn't okay that i felt more okay that i could um, deal with it a bit better mm-hmm. because i think initially I wasn't okay and I was pretending maybe that I was okay with it. Me and my dad were really close, you know, like mm-hmm. really, really, really close. So it's a difficult, it is difficult. I've lost many people before, mm. but this one was different, you know, as, yeah. as maybe you can imagine. I don't know if you've lost anyone really, really close uh, to you yeah i mean I, when i was younger i've lost one of the one of my closest cousins but recently which is 2020 uh 2021 my grandma who raised me from i was like little uh she passed away recently too yeah sorry to hear that oh, uh, yeah thank you i mean it was it's hard but this might sound weird but she was sick for a long time you know like yeah it, it, she was bedridden i felt like for me, I was prepared. My I prepared myself that it's gonna happen, because you know, she's old, you know, and yeah, I don't want her to suffer. Yeah, you know? but for you, it's a different situation because this Superman of a dad is just like strong as a tree, and then suddenly fell ill. Yeah, and I think that's what it was, you know, that you know that he was okay, and even the doctors couldn't believe like how. You know, he could deteriorate so quickly hmm. and they couldn't quite figure out why, why he was getting sick, you know, but I just think that I, I'm happy that, I, you know, made him proud, that he was so proud of me. He loved me. I love him. And I just want to continue his legacy going, you know, just speak good about him and I'm just thankful, thankful for him. I have an opportunities like this to actually speak about him. So it just continues, continues on. Of course. I mean, that's, he's one of the subjects that I wanted to talk about with you, actually. And 
you know, because the importance of dads being there for their kids is so important. There's a there's a a few years ago I read about uh, a study about the importance of dad being a life of in their kids. It's so integral. Obviously, moms are just the badasses. Like they are, they are supposed to be there. I mean, you know, they're there. They're the best. But the importance of dad is there. You know, because moms are most at least most moms. They will show you the warmth, the love, the support, right? But the dad's the ones that are going to challenge you. He's going to teach you yeah. about math. And if you mess up, he's going to ask you to raise your hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I think also, I think you're 100% right. And I think I was raised in a, an area which is like uh, quite known for being a bad area in terms of like crime stuff surprise, like that. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think if I didn't have him to be as strict as he was, I could have, you know, fallen into that category. Don't get me wrong. I had many friends that, you know, may have done bad things, but I never really went down that lane. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a lot due to him, you know, Mm -hmm. keep trying to keep us safe, trying to get us to do the right things and scaring Mm -hmm. us from doing (laughs) bad things yeah. <laughs> immigrant parents are the best with that <laughs> there is no yeah, doubt yeah. you wouldn't even dare like <laughs> oh goodness gracious <laughs> for sure yeah so i think that i think that's that's what it was that was he he was a big factor in in me being who i am today mm, that's beautiful what do you miss about him the most i miss uh, laughing him making me laugh he was really really funny but funny not in the like telling a joke way just yeah. it, he was like have you ever heard of carry on carry on movies no, carry on what films they're, they're really english they're it's it's a silly type of humor like a slapstick kind of mm. humor oh, like was, ben hill Kind of, yeah, mm-hmm. like silly, silly. He he reminded me of like a, a carry-on character. Like not just, I can't even explain the humor, but. He's situational funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Without, yeah, without trying to be. Yeah, I, I miss, funny. Uh, yeah, I, I miss us laughing. Mm. Does he have that yeah. typical Nigerian dad laugh, like the booming laugh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah but more so this is so strange he's got the the, the, the loudest sneeze you've ever heard in your life <laughs> yeah it destroys <laughs> the house sneeze. yeah like i've got a big nose like mm. because of him like his nose is so big like, mm. when he sneezes, i know it's strange to bring up but goodness <laughs> gracious like we never got used to it you know <laughs> i wake you up <laughs> i miss stuff like that yeah Rest in peace, Dad. What was his name? His name was Ashimir, but all his friends used to call him George. Which is like, yeah, they used to call him George. But, yeah. And you call name. him what? Dad. Mm. Always, yeah. Of course. Dad. Dad doesn't have a name. No, I've always <laughs> only called him Dad. Sometimes I'll, I'll say Georgie, like his friends used to say, and he used mm. to get annoyed. Yeah, but, <laughs> he lets you. Yeah. 
No, 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 no. He used to get, <laughs> he used to get really annoyed. Yeah, like I tell my kids, dad doesn't have a name. So I have a joke with them, like, what's my name? So they're going to start saying it, but then like, I'll give them the look. They're like, dad, exactly. That's my name. Yeah, respect, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, exactly. So as I said in the intro, you're an artist. Yes. When and how did you discover your superpowers? Well, I guess the full story was when I was a child. I, they asked us in school, like really, really, really young, like primary school. I don't know what you would call it. Yeah, primary school. Yeah, they asked us to, the whole class to draw Disney characters. And I remember we were tracing, we are tracing paper then. We, the whole class was tracing the Disney characters. And I remember just feeling like, I don't know, I just didn't need it. Mm. And then when I started to draw without it, it just looked just like the what we were copying in us, like, wow, like I can remember it so vividly. And then that's when it started. I draw and draw and I realized I was really good at it, but I didn't take it professional. I should have, like it was looking, I was looking at my talent right there and then, but, you know, real life, you know, start working and mm -hmm. it doesn't seem feasible, especially back then for me to make a living of art. If I told my dad, you know, <laughs> I want to be an artist. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, are exactly. you crazy? Yeah, like he even knew I was good at it. But back then it wasn't feasible, really, mm. you know, especially coming from a hardworking family like them. So, yeah, to be honest with you, during school I was good. But then when I left school, I just turned to work. And for years I didn't draw. I actually forgot I could draw. And it wasn't till... One day when I was at work, I uh, I felt like um, you know, there was something more. Mm. Yeah, I felt there was something more for me. And I'd come to a, a kind of a crossroads because I was about to be promoted. Mm. I was being, I should say, considered a strong possibility of a promotion mm -hmm. at a store. And I knew if I took this promotion, that would probably be it for me. I'm going to stay here. The money's really, really good. And this is what it looks like it's going to be for me. Or do I take a leap of faith and pursue my, you know, why I was good at my childhood dream of, you know, creating art. So I took the leap. And I started becoming, uh, I, I became a professional artist since I left my, my job, which was about four years ago. Mm. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's definitely been hard, you know, but it's slowly but surely, like I was saying. Yeah. You had kids by then when you made this decision? Yes, just before... No, not just before. I think my daughter was two. Mm. My daughter was two. So you can imagine it's it's quite a big decision, you know. Props to, <laughs> to you, man. Holy yeah, crap. To, of course, like a lot of con 
a lot of conversations with my partner and yeah if I didn't have talent or she could see the talent it might have been a bit difficult to you know but she could see that I have something there and she believes in me and yeah I just decided to go for it because if I didn't I really wouldn't be happy you know yeah to be honest with you you'll be dead inside yeah yeah I, I did enjoy the job but there were times for instance I used to work early in the morning and in the morning shift we'd be we'd spend the, far, the first couple of hours outside I used to work with a pallet truck this is before my promotion <laughs> I used to work, work with a pump truck so we'd be out in the cold me and my my work colleague and I'd always see other people coming towards work down the back road where we worked was these offices uh, how can I describe it I'm not too sure what the profession was whether it was advertising professional jobs I'd always see them coming to work dressed smart you know the suits and like nice dresses heels and stuff whereas I'd be pumping away like just looking at them like imagining how nice would it be to go to work Mm -hmm. doing something really professional you know Mm -hmm. so I just got tired of like imagining so I took the leap but you didn't work in an office you started to create your own art yeah yeah and that's how I like at the moment I'm working with digital art but that's kind of how I I stumbled into digital art really because in the beginning, I was doing a lot of traditional stuff but mm. because I wanted to get myself out there and do pop-ups and the digital stuff was a lot easier for me, mm. a lot less expensive. You can imagine like in the beginning of your art career, it's paintbrushes, canvases, they're really expensive, you know? So... I turned to digital art and it was a lot less cost effective. So that's been um, a route that I'm currently going down. Mm -hmm. Did you not go to school for art or did you really take something else? No, I'm I'm self-taught. I took a class once years ago for like a a few weeks, which was Mm. kind of beneficial. I wish I had gone to art class. Mm-hmm. Art school, I should say. I can only imagine you know, what my art would be like now, but I'm self-taught. I'm learning as I go. Mm-hmm. It won't be as good. I can tell you right now. <laughs> you learn some techniques, no, but so. you don't have that spice. I will. I want that spice. Like I told you, like I believe offline is just. I can see your improvements slowly, like the, like the the angles and the, uh, how how do you call it, like the size of the body to the head, like little things like that. I yeah. try to think I'm, uh, you know, I'm art. Yeah, yeah ex- per- per- that's it. Proportion. I like to think I'm a art connoisseur, a wannabe. So I like I like to think. And I, I recently read the, the biography of uh, Leonardo da, Vin- da Vinci, and I wanted to learn how to look at an art. Like, why is it good? Right? Okay. Like an Andy Warhol art. What's good about yeah, Andy yeah. Warhol? Yeah, you know. Oh, I know you're he's, asking me what you, know, you think. I mean, yes, sure. I know he's one of your guys. What do you like about him? 
what I like most about him is his concepts. Like I, I do love Leonardo da Vinci. I love a lot of people that paint beautifully and I do love art, not Leonardo da Vinci falls into this category, but I do love technical artists and mm. beautiful paintings. But I do love artists like Basquiat or Andy Warhol or Banksy mm. where there's concept. Mm-hmm. Because I've always thought that no matter how I get how good I get technically, there'll always be other great artists technically. But concept not everyone can think of your concept, you know. So mm-hmm. if you can marriage the two, like good art and great concept. So that's why I like Andy Warhol for his concepts merged with like a, a good art technique. Mm-hmm. I like that you say that, that you might not be as good as them, but, you know, you try anyway. Because I remember, I, I pretend I'm a John Steinbeck, the writer, and... And I love, I love his style, and I try to emulate it. Not that I'm good, but you know what I mean. And one day, I was having problems, like just the mentality of like, I will never, why am I trying? I'll never be as good as him, right? Yeah. And a friend told me, just simply, she said, you won't, but you can always try. And I know there was a post that you said something about young artists, and you want to tell them that it's okay to be not good right now. Yeah. Do you remember? Can you elaborate? Yeah, for for sure. I think when you're, first of all, when you're starting out or you're early in your, your art career, you probably don't know how bad you are. Like you're, <laughs> you're probably really bad, but you don't know it. It probably looks okay to you. Hmm. But the more drawings you do, the the better and the quicker you'll get to where you want to be so you just really have to like keep your head down and just stay true to the craft and just keep practice practice and learning and you you will get better Uh yeah i love it i love that keep your head down keep chugging along people will say things they will always say things yeah and i think i've had so much criticism like (laughs) putting myself out there when I thought I was good, but I wasn't really that good. And so many people have said stuff and it's helped me to develop and have a thick skin, which you need because you're putting your work out there, you know, and people are going to be critical mm-hmm. and it's you. You're, you're, it's like you're putting a piece of you out there, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you have to develop a thick skin and you just have to stay the course if you can enjoy what you do and just know the more you practice, the better you will get. Mm-hmm. Do you have a mentor? No, no, I I would like one though. Mm. I think I'm a wise, a, a wise soul. <laughs> I know that sound is not very humble of me to say, but I, I I might not be like the most clever person, but I, I do think I can be wise sometimes. But it would be nice to learn from somebody even wiser. Well, 
A mentor for me is like it's not that that person's wiser. It just gives you a different perspective in life that you respect. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't have one of those. Mm-hmm. It would be nice though. Yeah, of course. It's always good to have mentors. Like I have quote unquote mentors, but they're like sometimes they're younger than me. Yeah, you know. Sometimes they're like, I'll say something about the podcast, how I'm proving it, or whatever else, even life, and they'll say something silly because you know. Sometimes we overthink. Yeah. And because of overthinking, our judgment get clouded. And then these people that will just tell you, by the way, stick with what you know. Maybe I do in a different sense. Uh, within the art world, I, I do have quite a few art friends now. And some of them do, you know, they do critique me in a positive way and mm. i do listen so i i guess that is a form of it yeah yeah that's amazing what do you like about audrey hepburn audrey hepburn i i love that period okay you know that that noir period and she's classic and early on when i was doing pop-ups and stuff i was trying to cater to I was doing more pop pop art style and I was trying to cater to that demographic that Audrey Hepburn, Marilyn Monroe crowd mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. appeal to them. Whereas now, so I've maybe strayed more towards cultural, um, cultural pieces for people that look like myself that are black and, Mm-hmm. and have more representation for us but yeah. i do love i do still love audrey hepburn and that era mm-hmm. yeah that's one thing i love about instagram is the evolution of your art like like you said the concept the idea you know you start with audrey hepburn Marilyn monroe and then it turns to like oh i don't know uh martin luther king or like some artist and i love it Thank you. And it goes back to like what we were saying about when you, when you start, when you're younger, it's just a lot of learning. And if you just, it just um, turns that way when you practice and you start to find what you like, what you don't like, you retain some stuff and you lose some stuff. And I think with Instagram, it's really good because you could put your work out there and you can get, feedback you can make connections and you can just you know be inspired by other artists also Mm. and you know you can learn maybe learn more more so what you like and what you don't like yeah you mentioned this earlier but i want to ask anyway are you conscious on representing your ethnicity in your everyday life in your art yes yeah definitely when when I was younger, there really, I really didn't see much black art, mm. to be honest with you. And even when I would create art myself, most of the references I had, I'm older. So <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger, the internet, we did have the internet, but it's not nothing near what it was, what it is today. So most of my references came from magazines and stuff like that. And most of the magazines and newspapers and stuff I used to collect for references 
there was hardly any black people in them. Mm-hmm. So I do think by creating black art now, it's really important for people to see more people like me to see representation of us and and positive positive representation as well. Yeah, exactly. Is it harder to draw dark skin to light skin? That's a good question. For me personally, no, it, there's no difference. Mm-hmm. It's 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 more challenging if you ask me about hair, drawing mm. blonde hair or black hair. Okay, that's like that's very very different for me personally. But no, really makes no difference. Which one's harder, the black hair or the blonde hair? The blonde hair, the really? black hair. Yeah, the black hair. I could just. Black, <laughs> black and then white highlights okay. whereas the blonde hairs you know like more tones and values and so it's more difficult mm. so you practice and through practice you improve but do you also read books to improve your techniques i used to okay yeah i used to there's a really really good Every really good artist will tell you Andrew Loomis. Andrew Loomis, mm-hmm. he's got really good, really good books for you to learn how to draw like the body. And his stuff's amazing. I used to look at his stuff and YouTube videos, but less, less now. Mm-hmm. Now, now I think the best thing for me to do is draw from reference, draw from real life, and also draw from imagination. Mm. So that's what I try. I'm trying to do currently. Mm-hmm. How does it work? Because me, when I write, it, it, there are two ways. One way, sometimes I think of this, things and then I write it. But yeah. sometimes the gods decides to give me a gift. And those are my favorite. It just comes straight. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to edit. It's perfect. With art, does it work that way too? Like you see it in your mind? It's a number of different different ways. Some a lot of the times, I'm inspired, but I could be inspired. Well, inspired. I could be inspired by a movie. Even flicking on Instagram, I see a mm-hmm. picture of that. That would be a nice concept for something else. Like that'd mm-hmm. be good. But I don't have to be inspired to draw. I can. I don't know. Just draw and then it will turn into something, mm-hmm. you know, I just, if I'm not feeling inspired, it doesn't stop me from painting. I don't think it should stop you. You could still paint something and then let that be what it is or turn into something else. So it's, it is a number, a number of different things. There's no one set thing. Mm-hmm. Stephen King, he had a book, it's, it's called On Writing. And he said that his process is, Deal with writing like it's work. You go downstairs or wherever you're going, you have a routine and you write. Like that's how yeah. you deal with it, right? Do you have a routine as well for drawing or you just like whenever it hits you? It's, it's always been whenever until this year where I'm treating it more like a Stephen King method where, you know, this 
I'm teaching myself discipline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should call and that. And I'm hoping, yeah, <laughs> you'd love it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hoping uh, the discipline will, will help me, help me even further with my art career. Mm-hmm. So walk me through it. Like you wake up, do you draw in the morning or at night? I wake up and it, it depends because now that I'm being disciplined, I've given myself like a rotor. Mm-hmm. So on an, on an average day, I will wake up and well, it, it, it depends. Sometimes I do work through the night. I actually prefer working through the night, mm. you know, most of my art is actually through the night. Mm-hmm. The voices are louder. <laughs> yeah. So I would do, I, I prefer to do more admin stuff during the day okay. if I can. And then later towards like the afternoon and evening, I'll do my art stuff. How long does it take you to finish a piece? That's a good question. I remember, <laughs> this is how I know I've come a long way. Mm. When I was working before I was about to leave my job, a single piece, like one, like let's say a digital piece, that could take me over a month just for one. (laughs) (laughs) I really didn't know what I was doing, you know. But now, anywhere from three to four hours Mm. to maybe a really, really good piece, maybe 20 hours, 20-something hours. But I've come a long way. Yeah, so from about four hours to about 20-something hours. Wow, that's amazing, man. Do you put intent in your art that you make or you just make it for the sake of art? Uh, Intent in terms of... Because, you know, I well, at least my opinion, like your art now are socially conscious, right? Do you, yeah. do you put that intent when you make it or you just because that's what your heart tells you to make? Yeah, I, yeah, I do. I think it's maybe on the subconscious level, mm-hmm. but I, I've always preferred pieces that have some sort of meaning mm-hmm. that you could look at it and you could take something away from it other than it being beautiful. Mm-hmm. Which is, they are amazing. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. But yeah, uh, within, with some, some sort of, you know, some sort of construct behind it, I think. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Does it bother you that people add different meaning to your art? No. N- no. I'm just happy that you you feel something. And if it's something positive, yeah. I think it's better to be spoken about than not at all. Mm, I love that. Yeah. It's yeah. better to have hate than apathy. Yeah. 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 Have you dealt with people that degrades digital art compared to traditional art? Yes. Yes. All the time. <laughs> all the time. Like so many. When 20, 20, 22, no, 20, yeah, 20, 22. Mm-hmm. And even now, like so many people, they just don't understand it. Mm-hmm. They don't want to understand it. They don't like it. 
and I, I deal with it all the time. Like some people that, and that's what's so good. Like whether you know you understand NFTs or you don't understand it, you like it or you don't. But that's is what's good about NFTs that it does give a chance for artists that work with the digital medium that that exposure and um, the the value that you could get from a digital piece that this it is actually worth something because before when I would do pop-ups there'd be so many people that tell me like you know traditional is the way to go that mm-hmm. this digital stuff you know it's not traditional and it's never going to be valuable like traditional whereas now you can clearly see that there's people out there whether you like it or not that are making a lot of money from their digital work mm-hmm. but I think it stems from technology you know new technology and people don't understand it mm-hmm. so that's why a lot of them have so much bad things to say about mm-hmm. digital art yeah. I literally a lady wanted to buy one of my pieces and she found out it was digital Hmm. And she was like, oh, I'm not interested in copy art. That's what she called it. She didn't copy call it digital. <laughs> said, copy art. And I wanted to correct her, but I just left it. But it's not copy art. You know? hmm. And I don't think they realize how it's made, that you do need some form of skill. I'll be the first to say that I think traditional art is way harder. Mm-hmm way way harder i've been a traditional artist for most of my life and for me it's way harder the the harder aspect of digital art is the technology like understanding the technology and how to use the technology efficiently mm-hmm. so i do find it traditional to be harder but that doesn't mean there's no skill used in digital mm-hmm. i don't tell a computer or my ipad to draw for me <laughs> you know i do i do it myself yeah i wish i could do that too like draw martin luther king sitting down with a coffee in his hand <laughs> and the- yeah and i kid you not i do think a lot of people think that it's that way no and you know no and you know we were talking about time lapses before mm. <laughs> when people show their time lapses and the digital stuff it just makes it seem like hyper fast it's just quick easy just yeah. you know i don't know but yeah, yeah, they don't understand the process. That's what it is. Like, they don't understand how much hard work that comes with it. Yeah. And also, like, you know, tradi- traditional art has been there for centuries, you know, mm-hmm. we're in new technology with digital. And I think uh, uh, Gary Vee, if you've heard of him, mm-hmm. he said something quite profound in that anything you didn't grow up with as a child you later become you know almost against mm. so if most people never grew up with digital art they wouldn't understand it yeah look down upon it maybe. that makes sense because like music you know yeah like our i don't know if your dad but my dad was like when i started listening to hip-hop he's like what is this nonsense yeah exactly you know, they didn't grow up with it. Yeah, like what is this nonsense? Uh, the greatest music ever. Yeah, 
like well with me though my kids are listening to hip-hop now right but the new hip-hop the emo hip-hop and all you know yeah. so but the the best thing i try to educate them but i don't impose my idea on them yeah. meaning like oh by the way tupac is the greatest rapper of all time yeah. i won't say that and i won't like oh by the way listen to this i but now recently my eldest he started listening to eminem to yeah. tupac i'm like like where is this coming from so sometimes i'll go i'm like why well, you you listening to eminem like yeah like where did you learn this from so that what that i feel like it opens a conversation and yeah. then i'll tell him oh he's great because of this yeah right that's a nice way to do it and i love that your son thinks that way you know to like go back and listen to i think it's tiktok what we would consider some of the greatest tiktok yeah because yeah. sometimes you yeah. know they use like music yeah and then like oh, then they'll start listening like li- um when was that i think last week he was listening to stand by eminem which is a great song okay. by the way yeah and i'm like yo what, what, you're listening to eminem and he's like yeah dad and i'm like Yo, what's up? So then I started talking to him about music and why it is, yeah. why is it so important? Why that song is so great? And then I'll say, okay, you know that idea came from this guy and this guy. And I love that. I think it's Martin Scorsese that said that, or a, a person spoke in his documentary that every time you meet an artist and you ask them who they who they're trying to emulate. It's all in the end. It's always going to be a black dude with his str- with a guitar with three st- strings missing and killing it in his front porch. <laughs> That's funny, you know what I mean? Which is true because Rolling Stones, where did they get it from? From black artists from the U.S. Yeah, and those guys, if you talk to them, they're gonna oh, this guy that no one ever yeah. recorded, you know. Which is, I yeah, love, like, evolution of music, right? Yeah, it's true. A lot of music comes from black people, unknown to quite many and people. I talk about this all the time. But, yeah. I tell my friends, I was like, I'm so happy that there's black people. <laughs> <laughs> I say it all the time to him. He's like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, dude, without you guys, we won't have amazing music or any art are you crazy yeah there's a he was probably he was probably thinking oh that's random that's all I, the funny thing is i thought of that when i was taking a shower <laughs> i was listening i think i was listening to james brown okay and i was like thank god there's black people yeah in terms of the culture like like in a whole there'd be a lot of a lot of things missing. A lot of things that people appreciate and love today would would be missing. Probably like eighty <laughs> percent, maybe more. Yeah, it'd be a lot. Yeah, for sure. But so yeah, I think we're getting there. Let's close it out. What's your goal for twenty twenty two? Twenty twenty two, um, discipline. Like I was saying mm. before, discipline and. And trusting in the process, you know, just trusting in the process, not so much the end goal, just the process and taking my art step by step. I think I'm developing, I can see myself developing and just trusting in the process and 
enjoying the process mm. you know enjoying there's been times before where i just looked you know i'm going to be so big but when is it going to come like but now i just want to trust in what i do and i know great things will come mm. they come in and yeah just enjoying enjoying my art enjoying uh, not just my art just spending more time with family and friends mm. and just enjoying life you know that's the goal that's beautiful again laji thank you for coming on the podcast i really do appreciate it. i'm so honored thank you so much for having me I'm so grateful to you thank you thank you thank you have a good evening thank you you too bye Again, Laji, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Aaron Deliosa for An Immigrant's Life. I'll see you guys later.